Good morning. I'm going to say something right off the bat just because the Lord told me to write it down. (laughs) I'm not really sure. It's the title for this morning. I'm just assuming he's going to fill in some of the information. But he said, write this down and tell them they are called to rule. That my bride, my remnant... Those chosen by Him from the foundation of the world are called to rule. Not called to rule out of selfish gain. In fact, just the opposite. Called to rule for the sake of the people who don't know. For the sake of the people who don't know Jesus Christ as Messiah. Literally for the sake of Israel whom God has been fighting for and desiring from the beginning. When He pulled from the nations a nation unto Himself. Right? At the Tower of Babel, He gave away the nations to the principalities and to their authority. But what happened was He fashioned a nation for Himself out of that. Literally birthed in Abraham. And from that was to be a people that he would call his own. I don't need to go through it. You know the story of all of that. God and his promises has not changed from the very beginning. Nothing has changed for Israel. Nothing has changed for his children. His adopted children, which Paul had the joy of revealing this grand mystery of what it means to be the bride of Christ. Of what it means to accept Him as Savior and be included in a family. Wow. Now most of you know, I was gone the last couple of weeks. And it was a very interesting trip, a a fascinating, amazing trip that I never even expected. It was only, I, I believe, maybe six weeks before that or something like that, that the Lord told me to go on it. And it was a trip to Jordan and then to Iraq. By the way, can I tell you? I kind of thought, well, they're both in the Middle East. They're both in the same area. It's going to be kind of the same. Not even close. Not even close. There is at least a 30 degree difference in temperature between the two. I mean, it's beautiful in Jordan. I get off, it's upper 70s. You know, it got a little hot, got a little warm, got into the early, you know, low 80s. Beautiful at night. It was cool and just so nice. And I was there for a day. And then we caught a plane to go to Iraq. And Iraq gets to 110. And I'm like, okay, Nigeria all over again. (laughs) But it was an amazing, amazing trip. I really wasn't sure what to expect from it. In fact, the only thing for for the six weeks or whatever it was leading up to this trip, the only thing the Lord had really told me, had really placed on my heart, 
was the idea that I need to go to Mount Nebo, which for those of you who don't know, Mount Nebo was the place that the Lord took Moses when he showed him the promised land, but he was not allowed to enter. And literally, it was after showing him that, that Moses then went and his life was ended. Doesn't say how it was ended. The Lord took him, right? But that was the last thing that the Lord did, was showed him this land. Showed him all the land that was to be Israel's. And leading up to this time, I, I was just, Lord, what do you want? You know, you don't send me somewhere where there isn't a strategy behind it. Many of you know the, the trips that I've had before. Many of you know the trip that I had before that where I think, was it the trip before that or it might have been the trip before that? I can't remember. But, but where, where I'm on my way to Nigeria and all of a sudden I find myself in London. And the Lord took me to Stonehenge, took me to declare over that place because it was a seat of power. That was not anything in my plan. So I went to Jordan really knowing nothing about what his plan was. And, and I don't know about you, but when you, when you live your life and you walk in, in uh, a, agreement with the Holy Spirit and, and, and you just say, Lord, just guide my steps, it could be frustrating in, in a good way. Can, can there be a good way to be frustrated? How about a godly way to be frustrated? I don't know if that's possible, but, and maybe that's the wrong word, but it's hard to be walking knowing the Lord is telling you to step and walk and not know why. All I could wrap my head around was I had to go to Mount Nebo. And it was such a blessing because my first clue came I believe it was the day before I left, and it was through my brother Rich. Rich comes up to me, and, and he said, you know, the Lord wanted me to show you something. And he showed me this information about the land that Israel had taken, how it was only a small percentage of the land that they were promised. Okay, now, this is... Very interesting. I, I knew that they had not conquered. Well, that's probably not the right word. In, in fact, I, I do want to read something here first. Let's, um, we're going to turn to Joshua. Joshua chapter 21. This was after, obviously after Moses. And then Joshua takes over for Moses, takes them into the promised land, and they conquer it. And, and before we go on, let, let's pray. Father, Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you. We desire your will. Lord, I'm thankful, so thankful to be back here in front of these people and with this family. You have filled my heart with so many things, and yet I need your direction on what you want. Father, none of us want to hear from me. None of us. Especially me. We want to hear from you. I ask that you direct and you guide this morning according to your will. 
I ask for the filling of your Holy Spirit. I give you my mouth. I give you my will, my thoughts, my choices. They're yours in Jesus' name. Do with them according to your will. I ask that you speak through me according to your will so that we might see your thoughts, your plans, your desire for each one of us. Not just here in this church, in this local assembly, but all over the world, your remnant. Lord, your will be done. We thank you and we praise you and we stand in confidence of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Joshua chapter 21, I'm going to start at verse 43 and and go through 45 because they were given the promised land. They did go in. They did conquer. They did settle. And let's, let's establish that first. Thus the Lord gave to Israel all the land, all the land that he swore to give to their fathers. And they took possession of it and they settled there. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their fathers. Not one of all their enemies had withstood them, for the Lord had given all their enemies into their hands. Not one word, this is critical, not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. Now I want you to recognize something, first of all, that all had come to pass up to this point. There have been many more promises that were given after this point. I don't want to don't want you to be confused with the two. There is a global leadership coming when Jesus comes and takes the throne of David. He will rule out of Jerusalem. Israel will literally rule the world. We call that in the thousand-year reign of Christ. So there are promises to Israel that he has made that he will fulfill. It's not past tense. It's future tense. But there was a mistake that was made by Israel as they took the land. As they took the land, they did not follow through with everything they were supposed to do. They took the land and settled. But why is it that later, as their kingdom was being established, that they actually controlled less than 10% of the land promised? Boy, that was a thought that just started going crazy in my mind. That... And and we know as you read Scripture, we know that they did not completely destroy and conquer certain nations. In fact, Joshua warned them about mixing in with those nations and those nations' gods, that they would be a stumbling block. So whatever happened, and I'm not a historian, historian in that, but whatever happened, pigeonholed Israel, even in the height of where they were in ter- 
terms of globally, which was under Solomon, even in the height, they only controlled a portion of the promised land. And yet, they're supposed to control it all. It was all set aside and given to them. Now, why is the Lord bringing this out? Twofold. Because He loves Israel. Israel is His chosen nation. That will never change. They are His natural children, if you will. The Bible calls it. But He also loves His adopted children, which are His bride, His remnant bride, those who have accepted Jesus Christ into their heart as Savior. That's what qualifies us to be His bride. We call it the church. Right? Within the church, boy, there are a whole lot of different beliefs. There's a faction, if you want to, I probably don't like that word, but there is a grouping within the church that we call the remnant. I believe the Bible calls the remnant. I know the Lord has called it his remnant. But it is those who would believe him regardless of, of anything the world says, regardless of what anything looks like. So all this is in my mind as, as I'm going over there, and, and I just knew something was important about Mount Nebo, um, keeping in mind that this was my first trip to the Middle East. I kind of know how Moses feels, getting right literally to the border of Israel, being able to look into it and not being able to go because I didn't get to touch on Israeli soil, but I got to see it. Literally standing on Mount Nebo, you could see Jericho right down there. You could see the River Jordan. You could see the Dead Sea. You could see off in the distance, although it was hazy, you could see Jerusalem. All this, and then, and then if I turned to my right, I looked back this way, and I could see about 50 miles that way was my hotel. Because it was right next to these two big, big, tall buildings that are in Amman. And you could see those from where I was. It was insane to me how much you could see. And that is the one thing that the Lord laid on my heart about this trip. And I didn't know why. Rich gave me my first clue. It was about land. It was about a promise. It was about something that the Lord had given that they never followed through with. And so I started asking him, okay, Lord, I need you to show me. And we, we got into Jordan, spent the first day there, met some people. It was awesome. Then went to Iraq. And I'll tell you, what, a, what an amazing place. The whole trip just blew my mind. And, and what's, what's wild is it was really like my first trip to Nigeria. My first trip to Nigeria, I'm, I'm going there expecting to sleep on the floor in a mud hut and whatever. And all of a sudden, that first night, I find myself sleeping at the guest quarters of the governor of that state. And in, in many ways, this trip was the same. I'm finding myself meeting with people that... Now, now this is... Understand what Jordan is. It's, um, it's a kingdom. It, in, in its rule, it's, it's run by a king, right? And uh, it's not, and, and I, I don't know a lot about this, but it's not democratic rule like what we're supposed to have here. 
but it's a kingdom. And all of a sudden, I'm meeting with advisors to the king. What? Okay, Lord, I, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. We go to Iraq, and I, and I, ex, I expect these things, and, and it was so different than what the Lord had. And I'm not going to get into that part of the trip. We talked about it on Tuesday. But I do want to mention how amazing these people are. I had a love for them the second that I stepped on their soil. Just like I did in Nigeria, it, it was this, this overwhelming feeling of freedom. And freedom being what they need. In, in, uh, we were there in Iraq a couple of days, and, and again, maybe, maybe the Lord will have me talk about that uh, at future times, but um, we came back to Jordan and this whole time. I'm just thinking, Lord... Tell me about Mount Nebo. Tell me why I'm here. Tell me what's going on. I mean, I understand people need help. People need help all over the world. We have, we have people all over, all over the world that reach out to us. So many in Pakistan that reach out to us. So many in Kenya that reach out to us. So, Lord, you brought me here. Why? Why? And he just kept saying, wait. Just kept saying, wait. Wait, wait, wait. We got back to Jordan did some more things there, met some more people there. And I knew that my trip up to Mount, Mount Nebo would be the last day. It would be Sunday, this past Sunday, a week ago. And it was interesting because I, I wasn't even sure we were going to go at the beginning because they had other plans to do other things. And, and I told the people that I was with, I said, well, I said, we could fit in anything that you want. I could do whatever you want. But before I leave, before I get on a plane, I have to go to Mount Nebo. So we, we planned that for Sunday. And Friday came. And, you know, as with the Lord, even, even on a Sunday morning, and you guys know this, he, he never tells me what I'm going to be preaching on. He never gives me the information until... Uh, occasionally the night before, usually that morning sometimes, and probably more often once I get up here in the pulpit. And that's how it was with this. He specifically was being silent over what this was, and yet I was in probably historically one of the most, if not the most, incredible places globally in the world where all the things that we read in the Word of God actually happened. And, and I'm, I'm just thinking, okay, all right. Well, you don't have to tell me yet. So Friday comes, and Friday was a busy day. We started 7.30 in the morning, ended about 12.30 at night, and met just one after the other of, of uh, refugee families and difficult things, and I was getting hit so hard. So hard. I, I mean, had an incredible headache. Um, just different things hitting me to the point where, where it's kind of like, Lord, can we just maybe do this another time? And what I didn't realize, and I, I don't know why it doesn't come to my mind because this happened many times. The day before the Lord gives me revelation is usually a pretty tough day. And I should have thought of that. 
So Friday, it was tough. I had people here praying for me. And then I got to sleep, uh, like I said, maybe about 1230, uh, a little bit later than that, thinking I don't have to be anywhere till 10 in the morning so I can sleep in and feel good and whatever. And the Lord wakes me up at 5 a.m. And I thought, okay, and he wants to talk. And so we talked. And immediately I wasn't tired at all. Didn't have my headache anymore. Everything was gone. I felt such a peace. And I was sitting in the room there talking with him. And he began to reveal to me what Mount Nebo was about. That this was a place that we were called to. Now, you have to understand my conversations with him because I'll get paradigms in my mind, just like we all do. We get these paradigms in our minds of what something is supposed to be, and we kind of, you know, that sounds good, so I just kind of stick with it, right? That sounds good. I, I stick with it. You know, he didn't stop me. It certainly fits. Everything fits from what he said, so I just kind of stick with it. And then there comes a time where if that's not quite correct, he begins to change our paradigm. That's what happened to me Saturday morning, starting at 5 a.m. Going back eight years ago now, the Lord spoke for the first time to a group of us. And he spoke out six places that we were called to in the world. And you've probably heard me say seven places that we're called to in the world, right? I mean, I'm sure everybody here or mostly, has heard me say that, that we're called to seven places in the world. That's because the Lord added another place five months later. He spoke out six, and then five months later added United Arab Emirates. I remember when he added it, I remember thinking in my mind, that's kind of odd. You know, it, it kind of would make more sense if it was in the Middle East, if it was somewhere near Israel or something. You know, that seems more like where Satan would try to fight the hardest or, you know, even Pergamum or something like that where it was the throne of Satan was at one point. But now he said, he said, I want you to go to the UAE. That's literally all he said. And then over time, It was my belief that that was the seventh place. Well, this, this Saturday morning, Lord's telling me that this is the seventh place. And I said, wait a second, Lord, you told me seven years ago or seven and a half years ago in a dream that it was the UAE. We're nowhere near the UAE. He said, go reread your dream. So I did. And, and isn't it awesome where when that's why, by the way, journal. When God gives you dreams, when God gives you visions, journal them. Because our understanding of those may need to simmer a bit before we can fully understand what's going on. So, so he did. He takes me back to that. I reread the dream. And, and I, said, I said, so, and I, I want to be careful how I, how I put this across. I, I, said, I said, so you purposely didn't say anything when I assumed something. Because he did say, you're called to seven places. So I assumed that was the seventh place. It was the only area that wasn't covered. I said, so, so you, you allowed me to think that this entire time. You never stopped me from thinking that. And he said, yes. 
Now, recognize he didn't tell me that, and there's a difference. So in allowing me to think it, I said, why? He said, I did not want the enemy to know what I was doing. He had no right to know what I was doing. That's why he even held off until literally the day before. Because the enemy had no right to that information. Had no right to know what's going on so he could come against it. And you'll understand when I read you this declaration. So then he takes me to another dream that was like a few days later or a week later or whatever, whatever it was. And he said, I want you to send this to Bryn. And he said, Bryn will have an interpretation that I will give her. And so I sent it to Bryn, and it was probably 11 o'clock at night for her. And, and I text her thinking she'd already be asleep, but she, she was awake, and we talked for a minute. She said, no, I, I don't have anything on this. She said, let me sleep on it and see what the Lord says. I said, I said well, no, no worries. He'll give it to you. He told me he would. He'll give it to you. Sure enough, the next day, she texts me and sends it to me, and she said, yes, the Lord was very clear Here's the interpretation. And it was exactly, I'm not going to get into what it was, but it was exactly, almost word for word, what he had said to me Saturday morning at 5 a.m. That this is the calling that we have. This place was the seventh place, or one of the seven. This effectively is the third place the Lord has sent me to, to declare at the seat of power. And I was asking the Lord, okay, so in the first two, there was a specific seat of power, right? In, in, in Europe, it was Stonehenge. You took me there. In Africa, or specifically Nigeria, it was Zuma Rock. You took me there. I mean, literally without any plans to do it. And those declarations came. I said, so, so there has to be a seat of power. I, I said, is there a man-made seat of power? You know, like Stonehenge was man-made. He said, no. I said, wait a second. I said, you mean the seat of power is that mountain, isn't it? He said, yes. Mount Nebo was the seat of power. And what I mean by that is at... And I, I, man, I don't want to go dovetailing off this too much, but... But when God gave away the nations, he gave them to seven principalities and the world was sectioned off in seven places. Okay, each one of those principalities had a seat of power. It's kind of like a throne, right? A throne from which they have the authority to rule from. That's what Mount Nebo was. And, and so off the cuff, I said, I said, so that's why Satan fought over Moses' bones. He fought over his bones because there was a power to control that area because no, Moses never finished what was supposed to be finished. And the Lord said, yes, that's exactly why. Now, to be honest with you, I, I wish I had asked him this, but but I didn't think about it. I, I'm not so sure that the archangel Michael, and that's a real weird reference in the Bible where it talks about Michael fighting Satan over the bones of, of, uh, of Moses. It's just a real weird reference. I have a feeling that 
that Michael lost that fight. Because what happened was there was a principality in charge and continued to be in charge even as Israel was developed. If you see, by the time Jesus came, Israel no longer even had their land. They were still living there, but they were no longer in control. They were under Roman rule. That's why Jesus brought up freedom there. So, so all these things the Lord is, is showing me and... And, and he's beginning to reveal the declaration that is to come over Israel. Because even in this time that we're in right now of the bride rising up, of his, of his bride becoming ready, Revelation 3.9, of his bride literally rising up to lead, to rule, not, not in order to hold the world under their thumb, but literally to raise the world up to the knowledge of Jesus Christ as Messiah. Right? That's what the Lord is doing. In fact, you know what? Let, I think it's Proverbs 29. Go to Proverbs 29. Proverbs 29, verse 2. And you all know this verse. When the righteous increase, the people rejoice. But when the wicked rule, the people groan. What God is doing now is bringing an increase to the bride. Bringing an increase, not just to the bride, to those who know God as Savior. Or Jesus as Savior. But to those whom He calls His remnant that have given everything over to Him. Have been building relationship with Him. Not relationship just within the church. Not just being part of a group. Saying, yeah, I I belong to this group, so that's my identity. No, our identity is in Jesus Christ. He is supposed to be our identity. He is supposed to be everything that we are. And as we are that in Him, He raises up this remnant to do two things. To push the enemy out. To literally one day lock that enemy down to where even the influence is not on a national scale or a global scale. But then the other thing is to bring freedom to even those people who don't know Him as Savior, even those people who don't know Jesus, bring freedom of that deception from them that they could choose. Man, you guys have heard all the prophets talking about, and the Bible talking about this latter-day reign, this, this end-time revival. I mean, first time I, I believe that that was ever prophesied that I, that I can recall was, um, and I believe it was Bob Jones some, I don't know, 35, 40 years ago or something like that. Am I correct in that? Where he, he talked about a billion soul harvest. Oh, man, that's a long wait. <laughs> but guess what? We're there. We're there. That's what God is doing now. He is pushing out the enemy from these strongholds of authority. That's what happened on Mount Nebo. It is for the sake of the remnant to rule for the sake of the world to see Christ's righteousness. 
That's what it says in Proverbs 29. When the righteous rule, there's peace. Why do you think it says in the Word of God that, that there will come a day, and we know this is coming very quickly, where, where ten will grab the hand of one because they see God on that person. Show me what you have. I see what you have. I see what, what this God does in your life. Show me what that means. Oh man, for any of you who, who have done any evangelism at all, what a joy. I mean, can you imagine? I, I've done all that. I've gone to where you go knock on doors. Where nine out of tw- ten doors get slammed in your face. I've done all that. That's hard. That's hard work. It's hard for your emotions. I've been spat on. Any of you who have been on missions trips with me, you you know that there's opposition. (laughs) Right? There's opposition right here. Just in you talking to people. We were down at the water park on, on, was that Friday? Friday. We were at the water park on Friday and... And, you know, Carson's praying for half the water park. said, you know, dude, you could go on a ride. But he's praying for half the water park. And, and there, you know, I, there were many that, no, thanks. No, no, I don't want that. No, not interested. Man, how hard is that? And yet the time's coming where they're going to come to him. They're going to come to you. They're going to see something in your life and say, man, I don't have that. I recognize it on you. I recognize that that's something that I can't quite put my finger on. I recognize it. I want you to tell me about it. How awesome. Sit down. Oh, man, this is easy. This is easy. It's Jesus. It's not me. It's not training. It's not, it's not some intellectual thought pattern that, I, that I've absorbed. It's Jesus. It's Jesus who changed my heart. It's Jesus who gave me relationship with Him. The Creator of this universe who gave His life so I can have relationship now. Not when I'm in heaven. Right now. Right now. He wants to talk to me. Right now. He wants to talk to you. Every one of you who know Him as Savior, that is opened up to you. Do you understand that? When I say Jesus talk to me, that is not some, some separated, incredible thing like, oh, out of these millions of people, I will pick Greg to talk to. Now, do you understand? He's talking to each one of you. It's just most of the bride won't listen. In fact, a big chunk of the bride doesn't even believe. And that's why they choose not to listen. But yet he's talking. He's literally standing there with open arms saying, come spend time with me. Because if you go spend time with him, all of a sudden he's going to start working on your heart. He's going to start teaching you that he speaks and he loves you. And he desperately wants this relationship with you here and now. Because that's what defeats the enemy. That's what kicks the enemy off the land. And don't, don't be surprised when I say this is about land. It is. It's not just about your hearts. 
Because if it was about your hearts, the second you got saved, he could have just taken you to heaven. This is about something that Satan stole almost 6,000 years ago from Adam. He stole his birthright. Adam, and when I say stole, it was through deception because Adam literally gave it. He gave his birthright to this world. He gave his right to rule. Adam, being the righteous judge, was to rule righteously over this earth. He gave it away because of a deception over his wife. And all this time, all this time, God's been so patient wanting to take it back. And guess what? Jesus already paid for that because when you do something in a legal realm, you have to pay for it first, right? Right? You have to pay. Here, here. when, when we went to, to the water park, we had to buy our tickets. We had to pay for our tickets ahead of time. It wasn't like, yeah, let me go in, let me enjoy a, a few rides, and then I'll pay. No, no. You pay first, and then it's up to you if you want to actually go in and enjoy the rides. But you pay first. Jesus paid. Jesus paid for everything. He didn't just pay for you and I to accept Him as Savior and go to heaven. To get rid of all our cares here to just die and go to heaven. That's not all He paid for. If He paid for just that, then why didn't the world end right then? It's because there's a process that He wants to take us in. This process of understanding that salvation through grace, through accepting Jesus Christ as Savior is only the beginning. It's just scratching the surface. It's your right to enter. Kind of like that ticket to the water park. When I got that, it gave me the right to enter the water park. It didn't automatically give me all the fun I was going to have in there. right? I had to go and I had to experience that. I had to choose it. I had to be willing to get on a ride that maybe I wasn't interested in getting on to experience that ride. Right? That's what relationship with Jesus is like. We have this ticket to heaven, yes, but that gets us in the door. That just gets us in the door. Then we open ourselves up to Him and we say, I want to know how loved I am. I want to know how valuable I am to you, God. I know you died for me, but I mean, quite frankly, there are millions of others. You know, so maybe you died more for them and not me. Why do you think God offers relationship? Because in that relationship, He shows you, it's you. It's you. It's you. It's us individually. That's what He gives. In that relationship, He does that. But yet, Israel rejected that relationship. When Jesus died and paid for everything... It was the result of a rejection of his natural children. So it opened the door. 
all was not lost. Praise God, it was part of a grand mystery. The Lord knew it was going to happen, obviously. It went from a national thing to an individual thing. This idea of relationship. It didn't cut off Israel. Each individual in Israel has every right to that relationship that you and I do. Because it is through the blood of Jesus Christ. And He died for all of us. But what is happening now is literally what Romans 11.11 says. We won't go there. You could look it up. But it's where it talks about Israel becoming jealous. Paul said, oh, that, that Israel might be jealous of what you do with your bride and turn to you. Oh, man, that's exactly what's happening. That's what he began to show me about this declaration on Mount Nebo. And I, I, I got to tell you, I went up there and it was, it was just insane to walk on this ground. It, it was just insane because you go up there and Mount Nebo, it, it's, I grew up in Colorado and, you know, people who call anything mountains that are not mountains, you know, I think we need a different word, but whatever, this is Mount Nebo, okay? You get up top, and it's not big. I, I would almost say that the very top of it probably isn't bigger than, I don't know, 15 acres, 20 acres maybe? It's not big, the very crest of it, but what's wild is 360 degrees, you can see everything. It's the biggest peak there. And you could see everything, and you could see down so clearly where Israel was, and the, the border, and the Jordan, and all these things in Jericho, and, and all of that. So walking on there, and there, there's this big church. It was kind of weird. Um, it was built by Constantine's wife. I don't know much about the history of all that, but, but they made a big deal out of it. And, and supposedly, and I, I don't... I, I don't understand all the history of this either because the Bible doesn't say this. But supposedly this is where Moses also raised his, the, the bronze serpent um, for when Israel was healed. They have this big memorial statue-looking thing. It's kind of weird-looking, but they had that there too. But I walk up there, and it was not many people. And I was able to just walk where I wanted. The people I was with, they were kind of doing their thing. And the Lord had me walk over the edge to where I'm, I'm literally standing in front. Right directly in front of me is, is Jericho and Dead Sea over to here. And off in the distance there would be Jerusalem. But all of that other mountainside, other side of the valley is Israel. And the Lord had given me a very specific declaration. One, he had me read, which I, I won't do right now, but he had me read out of Deuteronomy, I think it's 34, um, about all the boundaries of the land that was promised to Moses. He had me read that. But this is the declaration that I want to share with you. 
there were two... Uh, th- this was the first thing that he had me declare after reading out of Deuteronomy 34. Hear, O Israel, what the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob says. You have rejected my son Jesus, your Messiah. But this rejection opened a door that none can close. I have adopted sons and daughters that I have taken as my own because my love could not be quenched. Israel, yet even in your rejection, you shall receive the the entirety of the land that I have promised to give you. And yet you will see it will not be a Jew that I use to bring this land to you, but instead I will use a Gentile, one of my adopted sons. In addition, you will have peace in a land that has seen no peace. But know that it is not by your hand that I will accomplish this promise, as was my desire. But from the hands of my adopted children, my heart's desire, my precious Israel, is that you will see this and become jealous. You will see that all I have wanted to do in you, I will now do through the faithful remnant of my adopted children. Let your hearts burn with the desire of my promises and receive my son Jesus as your Messiah. Would I not joyfully graft in again the natural shoot? Then I'm going to skip a part that he didn't want me to speak here. And then this was the actual claiming of that land and cleansing of this seat of power. I hereby claim this this region for the Lord Jesus Christ. It is no longer under the authority of Darian, the prince of Persia, or any under him who have taken authority in this region. I declare and command the eviction of all of Satan's forces from this land. You no longer hold the authority or right to control this land or this portal that I claim, and I claim authority over this land and this portal in the name of Jesus Christ, the Lord of hosts. He is the true authority, and He is the landlord of the earth. Your eviction is final and incontestable as it has been decided by the Father in the court of nations. I release two of my special angels in conjunction with the rest of my team that will release theirs. You are to each work in unity to keep all trespassers off this land and off of the spirit flow portal in which it stands. Any witch that attempts to work through this place or on this land is sentenced to death. And you are to take their lives. I command the waters that flow underneath this land out to this entire region to be completely cleansed and are to be monitored by these angels that have been released. The seat of power represented by this mountain on which I stand and this entire region is now claimed under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ as his. 
all of this declaration and sending is done in the name of Jesus Christ, the Lord of hosts, and by the power of his blood. I further command the destruction of this mountain, the seat of authority on which I now stand. Let the destruction of this mountain be a sign that the power that once reigned here for millennia no longer reigns. I command this destruction in the name of Jesus Christ, my Lord. And then that Saturday morning after he gave me this, there was one other piece that he gave me. <laughs> Wrestled with this one a little bit, got to tell you. I said, I said you, want, you, want this, you want this said there? You, okay. And, and he confirmed it three different ways. And so this next part, I won't read into this statement. You can go to the Lord yourself and see what it means. Then I commanded creation itself. I said, creation. And if you could picture me on, on the top of this mountain yelling out. And I don't think there were people around me, but if they were, they were probably like, okay, we'll walk over there. I said, creation, rise up and recognize the sons of God. It is time to fight for them as the Father has instructed you. That weighed heavy on my heart when I said it there. In fact, so much so that I was a little... Disappointed. I, I expected lightning, thunder, you know, rumbling. I, I, I expected, okay, you know, let's get off this mountain quick. You know, but it wasn't any of that. It was like nothing. Not even a breeze. And how is that when the Lord leads you to a climax of something that He wants you to do, wants you to declare that then is when you have to pour in the faith. Oh my goodness. The faith that is required in walking after that, in that faith, is so much more than the faith required to walk up to it. And that's where we're at as His people. Why? Because it's so easy for the world to say, see, nothing happened. Nothing happened. You declared creation to wake up. Because the Bible said creation will wake up. Creation's been groaning to wake up, to recognize the sons of God. Well, guess what? It's time. It's time. The Lord has said it's time for creation to wake up. It is time for creation to understand <coughs> excuse me, what is going on. Understand that creation itself plays a role in what God is doing. And you'll see it. Watch how it rises up. Watch how it rises up in that area. But watch how it rises up even here. Because creation is waking up. What was stolen from creation almost 6,000 years ago was a theft 
not of its own doing. (coughs) The authority was given to somebody else, not of creation's own doing. So creation's been groaning. Do you think that the Lord doesn't hear the groans of creation? Of course He does. He hears our groans. Lord, we look at this nation, we look at all the nations and how messed up it is. My first time to the Middle East and I understand why it's a mess over there. It doesn't take a rocket science scientists to understand it. They are more interested in their heritage than in what God wants in them living together. But isn't that exactly what it is here? It may not be that way as far as, you know, we kind of a mishmash of America is all these different nationalities. Whatever, we're Americans. We don't have that same nationalism perhaps that they say, but boy, we sure do in our churches. Oh no, I go to ABC church, so we can't do stuff with DEF church. Even though both know the Lord. How sad. God's coming to crush all that. He said, what you don't understand is you both got it wrong. You both got it wrong. The church isn't supposed to be the focus. Never was. It's supposed to be Jesus Christ. If we get our answers from Him and we have our communication with Him, He can direct us all to that unity. Well, you want to hear something wild? That's what He's going to do in the Middle East. Oh my goodness. I asked Him. I said, Lord, all of this land that is now not in Israel's possession, but is going to become in Israel. Like how? Are they going to be conquered? And he told me no. Because I thought, I mean, I knew it wouldn't come from Israel because the Lord said that. Literally, Israel's just going to be the recipient of it. So I thought, you know, is, some, is another nation going to fight for them or something? The Lord told me no. Literally, they're going to give it to Israel. Something pretty dramatic has to happen for that to be the case. This land is not going to be land that will be fought over. Or or at least when it's turned over, it won't be because of war. Trust me, there'll be plenty of war. Just not for that. It will be because they give. Because they see that that's what God wanted. The God that they have a relationship with. Now, I can't begin to tell you how that's going to work out. Because you go over to the Middle East now and even even the Christian refugees. And I I want to be careful with all I divulge. Because I can't be blind. But even those refugees did not understand who they were in Christ. The people that I talked to, it was important about them being with their ancestral heritage because that's kind of where their beliefs fall. That's their family. That's their home. Right? That's their people. And I kept, you know, I, I mean, family after family. 
exactly I'm talking to. And, and finally, at the end, I got to speak to them all. And my mistake, I said, we're your family. You know, if I'm saved, I'm your family. You don't have hope in your heritage. You have hope in your relationship with Jesus Christ. He's supposed to bring together the entire remnant over the entire world. And yet we hold on to our factions. I mean, that's really where racism comes from. You know, it's not just about racism in terms of, of color. I mean, because honestly, you, you know, I'm an outsider to the Middle East. I've got to tell you, you put an Israeli, you put a, a Jordanian, you put an Iraqi, you put a Turkish, you put them all together. I'm not sure I could pick which one's which. I mean, the Middle Eastern. <laughs> They're different than me, this white guy that when he gets in the sun just turns red. Right? I, I can't tell the difference. But I can tell somebody who has relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the real family. That's the family that is rising up, this army that is rising up all over the world. It is for the purpose of us uniting as that family. And that's what I told them. I said, there's hope right here. Because every, every one of them, bar none, all they said were, in the interview was, if you could just get us to the States... Or, or get us to Australia or Canada. And I'm thinking in the back of my mind, <laughs> I'm not sure you want to be here. I wouldn't want to be in Canada. And I know what's been going on in, in Australia the last year. I wouldn't want to be there either. No, I said to them, God has you here for a purpose. What you need is you need to know who you are. You need to know the authority that you have as His children. Oh, I'm telling you people, that is going to be unlocked all over the world. All over the world. It's going to be unlocked right here in Elkton. You watch. You watch. There is a specific point in time. We don't know when. We just know it's coming. Where His Holy Spirit will fall on His remnant. And what He said was this. He said, I will fall on each one of my children to the measure that they will... It not those exact words, but that's the idea. He will fall with, on his children to the measure that they will allow it. That's through relationship. But you're going to see it here. You're going to see it here. What does the falling of the Holy Spirit mean? The falling of the Holy Spirit is literally the culmination of what Jesus said when he said, you will do far more than I ever did. Why? Because when he goes, he goes and he's at the right hand of the Father. And he said, when I go, I send the Comforter. I send the Holy Spirit. We are in those days now. The interesting thing the Lord is, has told me, and I'll, I'll maybe end it here pretty <clears throat> The Lord has told me 
what it will be like when that moment happens for me. Not the timing. I wish he'd, you know, highlight it on a calendar for me, but he won't. He said what it would feel like because he wants me to recognize when it happens. He said it'll start in my feet and it'll be an electricity in my feet. And it will come up through my body. And when it comes to my head, it will completely engulf me. So I had an experience where he showed me what that was going to feel like in my feet. And it was wild. It was like step, stepping on a live electrical wire. It was just like vibrating my feet or like this. And that was, that was a couple of years ago. So I'm on back. And on the plane ride back, it, it, it was really cool. You know, I was looking to, to watch a movie, and the Lord led me to this one movie. And I said, no, that, that. he said, no, no, just trust me, you'll enjoy it. Okay. And so I watched this movie, and at the end of the movie, this song comes. And the movie was cool. It was good. It was, you know, whatever. It was entertaining. That's not why he wanted me to watch it. It was that song at the end, and it surprised the heck out of me. I got to tell you, because it's a genre I don't don't even like. I mean, you know, I like blues, right? I like some country. Forgive me, but I really like a heavy guitar, you know, back in late 70s rock and roll. You know, I like those things. I don't like rap. I, I, and not that that rap's bad. I just, you know, whatever. I, I, it's it's not my style. This song came on. It it was a rap song, not by a Christian artist. In, in fact, somebody who tours with Snoop Dogg. It rocked me. All of a sudden, I felt that in my feet. And I'm sitting there, and I'm feeling this in my feet, and it's rising up. It went further than it did last time, and it, it's, it's getting up to my knees, and I'm thinking, I'm in the middle of a packed plane. I'm at 45,000 feet or however high we were, and I'm like, yes, yes, do it now. Do it now. I don't care if they're afraid. They'll be okay once they figure out what's going on. Do it. Just do it. Just do it. I'm bawling. I can only imagine what people were thinking. And it stopped at my knees. I'm like, okay, your timing's perfect. Whatever. Oh, man, I wanted it to keep going. But this song, this song talked about what was stolen from Jesus Christ. And it talked about how the fact that He will come back and He is coming back to take what has been stolen. And He's doing that right now. He's doing that through His children. If you're waiting for Him to do something externally, you're missing the fact that He wants to use you. If you're here at Ignition at this point, I've said it a thousand times, you're called to leadership. But guess what? You're called to understand that He wants to use you now. And not just in your neighborhood. 
Not just in a small way to maybe reach your family. Oh, and shoot more arrows into the ground than that. No, it's an entire world. <clears throat> Excuse me. An entire world that he wants to reach. An entire world that needs the leadership of those in the bride. Man, we, we are in a confused world. Just look at our nation. Just look at the fake president that can't even speak. <sighs> We're at a time when all this is changing, guys. It's changing because God is taking it back. He is taking it back. And He's using those who will say yes no matter what. And it'll cost. Relationship with Him costs. You're to weigh the cost. You're to know the cost. But not to the point where it turns you away. I know the cost. I'm I'm not willing to do that. I got my golden ticket to heaven and I'm okay with that. Guess what? Jesus isn't okay with that. Because He paid for all of you. He paid for 100%, not 10%, or not 1%. He didn't even pay for 90%. In fact, when we receive His free gift of eternal life, we do it by claiming that we are His. That's 100%. Don't take from Him what you have already given to Him. Don't be afraid of the process. Don't be afraid of even the cost. Don't be afraid if it costs you your career. Don't be afraid if it costs you family members that don't understand. I've been through both of those. Lost them both. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid if it even costs you your life. Because to some it will. Oh, but what a glorious, glorious place. What God has for those who give their yes no matter what. I wish wish we were just in some Bible study that we could... Just go and talk about this because if you think heaven is the same for everybody who has the ticket there, you're grossly mistaken. You don't even understand the Word of God. The the Word of God teaches absolutely opposite of that. It is the faith that we have here on earth, the choices that we make in our steps here on earth by faith that literally purchase us that intimacy with Him that will last for eternity. It's only by faith. When we're face to face, we can't purchase anything by faith anymore. That's what Paul said. Because we're face to face. 1 Corinthians 13. That's when the perfect comes and it's done and we're to face to face. We no longer have to believe because it's right there. It's seen. There's a cost of faith right now to the remnant. That's why it's a remnant, by the way. That's why it's not the entire bride. 
Because the entire bride is so confused as to who she is. And to, to what they're supposed to be. That remnant are the ones sprinkled all across the globe. That the focus is Jesus. And the focus is just saying yes, no matter what. No matter what. No matter the cost. And I can tell you the cost that I have paid in the last eight years is huge. Oh, but it is nothing, nothing compared to the intimacy that He has given me. Nothing. Nothing. He promises to provide everything you need. He promises to be with you. I will never leave you, never forsake you. He promises. But it's through the avenue of that relationship. Now, I really am going to end this time, but I'm going to say one more thing. Sorry. I want you to turn to Joshua 24. Because what was left undone after Israel took the land is now moving toward completion. It will be completed. It will move to where Jesus Christ rules through His bride, rules on this earth. But I want you to... This, this is a verse the Lord took me to this morning. Joshua 24, verse 14. Now therefore, fear the Lord. And this was after they had taken the land. And Joshua is giving them like this final charge. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. If it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day who you will serve. Whether the gods of your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God is giving us that charge even now. We're not at the conclusion of something as they were right here. We're at the beginning. We're at the beginning of a world that is to be taken. That is to be under the rule of Jesus Christ under a rule of what we call human fairness. See where that has gotten us. Fairness is in the eyes of those who would behold. True fairness is out of God's eyes. Out of His Word. Because in Him the unrighteousness of the enemy cannot dwell. And is just defeated. So he is saying to you now. I speak it here. I speak it to those nations that hear us online. Choose this day who you will serve. Give him your all. Give him your pure yes in everything. Don't waffle. Don't waffle. Give him every bit of who you are 
Because this army has risen. Creation is recognizing. You will see creation rise up over the next six months in ways that have never been seen. In devastation that has never been seen. Whether it be earthquakes, tornadoes, hurricanes, whatever. I don't know. Animals. Isn't that, wouldn't that be weird? All of God's creation has been groaning for this moment. And this moment is upon us. So be part of that army. Give your pure and full yes. Wow, praise the Lord. Before I close in prayer, um, he, it's funny, he said just a minute ago that the church spends, um, doesn't really know who she is. And I just want to have your, your takeaway. There are so many takeaways, but I pray that your takeaway is to spend your time seeking God so that he can reveal who you are. Rather than spending your time figuring out why another person thinks they know who they are. Do you know there's a whole community of people that their calling is all about disputing someone else's calling. Their, their calling is to make YouTube videos to try to succinctly debunk everything that is someone else's claims. And it's a really sad, sad situation in the body of Christ. When if you just know who you are, you're just really soaking up what the Lord has for you, what he wants you to declare. Declarations are not unique to just one person. What the declaration is may be unique. But every one of us, God calls to speak declarations. The power of life and death is in the tongue, the word says. So as we pray and as we receive from him, he will have us declare, have us speak out in our area of influence where we're called to be. And so if you, if you have a churchy mindset and a hierarchy mindset, then you're going to only kind of go, well, who does he think he is? Who does she think she is? Who do they think they are to think that that's who God said they are? Rather than just realizing, God, who am I? And when we all know who we are, we then as a body rise up together. So, man, take this word. I know, I know it's what God wanted. And God wants to use every single one of us in powerful ways, not just a select few. Everyone who puts their lives in God's hands will be used greatly. And um, it's going to be really exciting to see. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, God, for what you are doing. God, I just praise you for these times in which we live where your spirit is being poured out, but is about to, the spigot's about to go full, full throttle, and we are going to experience the power and your glory to an extent we have never seen before. And I just thank you for allowing us to be alive for such a time as this. And God, I just thank you that your ways are revealed in your word and that as the prophets are saying that these are the days of the great exodus, God, you delivered your people through leaders that you put into place. 
And each one of the people that left had an opportunity to be used as they believed. And God, I know, I know, it can, I can't even imagine how it broke your heart to see the whole first generation of your people not make it to the promised land because of grumbling in their tents. Their unbelief, their unwillingness to step and to go where they didn't understand. God, I pray that we would just lay everything at your feet and receive what you have for us, God, because, oh, it is just so worth it. You are so, so awesome. And I, I just thank you for the testimony of how you've worked, not only in Greg's life, God, but I love, I've heard so many amazing testimonies of what you are doing in lives, transforming them. And even in my own life, God, how you are, I'll be in a certain place and I'll remember a memory of something that triggered wrong thinking or wrong behaviors because of different situations. And I look at it and now I'm like, that's just not me anymore because of you, Jesus, in my life. The strongholds are been broken and I'm walking in greater freedom and life more abundant as you promise in John 10.10. 10. So, God, I just pray that for each and every one of us, that we would rise up and see what our assignment is from you and, and receive more of who you are. We can't possibly step into an assignment without knowing our leader, as we spoke of last week. God, just help us to know you more. As you say, as Paul said in Philippians, God, to, that I may know him God, that we might know you and the power, your resurrection power, that, that all things dead can be made alive, alive again. But God, also that you'd give us the strength as we share in the fellowship of suffering, even the suffering of seeing some around us who may not choose to believe, who may feel that they have to hold on to the things of this world and who are unwilling to unentangle themselves from this life. Father, I know you reminded me of the words to a song that I grew up singing. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. God, when I think of that song, but we're just passing through, God. Help us to have that paradigm so that everything we do here on earth is with the mindset of the treasures for the kingdom. That, that as we pass through, we take everything we do and we steward it according to you. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but to please you, almighty God. Because this is our only opportunity to have the rewards of faith. So God, I just pray that as we tout and sing certain songs, whether it be from our childhood or in current worship songs, God, help us to recognize what we are singing and to know the cost of our words. Because you will, you will, as we say, put our money where our mouth is, you will cause us to know if we mean what we say. Because we are at a time where part of our rule is through 
what we say, what we speak, what we declare. And we cannot, you cannot tolerate duplicity, hypocrisy. You want purity. You want a single-eyed remnant for you and you alone and your ways. So I pray that, God. And I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that if anyone listening to my voice here online on the podcast who have not, who have not received you, Lord Jesus, that, that can't recall a time when they've repented of their sins and invited you, Lord Jesus, to come into their hearts, Father, that they would do it right now, right now, that they would receive you into eternal life and relationship that you offer the moment that you come and reside within us as you seal our spirits in salvation. Oh, God, I just pray that, Lord. I know that that's why you've waited so long. Your love is so lavish. You want as many people as possible to be your pure and spotless bride. But, God, we know that you're holy And you can no longer look upon the evils of this world without your justice being poured out. And so as difficult as it is, God, we stand in agreement with your holiness, your righteousness, and your justice being had at this time. Jesus, we know you came to set the captives free. And when people are allowed to continue to perpetrate evil enslavement upon another, that person is not free. So, God, do your will in this time and help us to be in agreement with you, with your ways, because we know you personally. We praise you, God. We lift up the name of Jesus. Give us boldness in our relationship with you to rise up and to see who you are, see who you've called us to be, and then walk in it and not let anyone say, who do you think you are? Without our response saying, I'm a child of the Most High God, I'm loved, I'm called, and you can be too. Thank you, God. We pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.